answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Glad you are here with us today as we talk about financial matters, both myself and my co-host here. We're both financial advisors, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. We spend the week, our weekdays with people like yourself, and we are here broadcast on the weekends to be your financial advisors on the air. So whether you have advisors now that you are working with or um, doing things strictly on your own, whatever the case, we hope that you find this an educational uh, place. We hope you learn something. Yeah. We hope you apply and this to Apply your, something, yeah, even more important. Your day-to-day life. Not just learning, because there's learning. a lot of things I know. <clears throat> yeah, learning There's a lot is, of things I know I should do that I don't necessarily do. I talk to, to my children often about the difference between theoretical and practical. <clears throat> and they love hearing that from you. Now they're <laughs> all 18 and over. They do, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> they do. Yeah. When they were over home for the holidays and uh, I had my list, uh, which I am a big fan of the list, as you well know, Scott, and I had my list. And uh, they came over the holidays. This is over Thanksgiving, you mean? Uh, Thanksgiving. And, and uh, Thanksgiving. And so they, uh, is in, in Christmas, every time they come home, I have the list. And uh, my wife said to me, you know, they might stop coming home if you continue with that I list. I thought the same thing. When I told you about the yes, list? I thought you must not want your kids to come visit. Because I might when I used to have to go to my mom's stepdad's, I had work chores to do, and I to the point I didn't want to go. How how? But the, the list is less than an hour long of worth of things. Um, there was some bonding taking place yeah. with me directing my children on how to get jobs done. <laughs> okay, I know it's Christmas time. Christmas is in a few days. We're going to jump right into calls this week at Allworth to join the program. Our contact is eight three three ninety nine Worth. That's 833-99-WORTH. And let's start right off with Anthony. Hi. Hi, guys. Um, well, I've been reading a lot of articles about um, IRAs um, and traditional IRAs and Roth IRAs, and we have both. Um, but the question I have is, when does it make sense to convert a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA? When you are in a lower tax bracket today than you will be in the future. Then it's a no-brainer. Okay. Otherwise, it's a push. If you're in the same tax bracket today as you are in the future and you convert, you do the math. Or if you'll be in a lower tax bracket in the future, you'd be foolish to do it today. Yes. So what's your so, situation? Are you in a low tax bracket uh, today? I'm in the future. <laughs> I'm retired. Okay. And, but you still have and, you okay. still have years ahead of you. So. What, how old are you? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, so I, I, I'm 70. I'll be 70 and a half next year. So I'll have to start taking RMDs. Um, and so I, again, I'm probably in this situation where it's maybe not making sense at all, but I just keep reading about it. Oh yeah, this is something you well, this, no, do. this, this might make something for you to make sense for you to do before December 31st of this tax year. And it may have made sense for you to do from the day you quit work, but that's to age 70 now. and a half. But for the rest of the listeners, there's a great planning opportunity. If you have a large qualified account, IRA 401k, if you quit work, and before your required minimum distributions, there is a great tax planning window in there to convert money from IRA to a Roth IRA. Even if you say you need the money from your retirement account, if you have other assets, it might make sense to convert. So, so tell us about your situation. How much money do you have in your IRAs? Okay. So um, in the traditional IRA, I have about 350000 And in the Roth, my wife and I uh, each have a Roth, and the total amount for those is about three hundred and sixty. It's about one hundred and eighty. Oh, good for you. Each. And what's your income so, this year? Well, um, so, it, did you it, convert? It a, did you convert in the past, or were you just a big saver in the Roth from day one? The, no, we we actually what happened is the IRA had its roots in. Uh, I'm a, I'm a retired educator, and so we had a uh, the four hundred one B four hundred three B. Yeah. 
403B, I'm sorry. That's and right. they had uh, uh, variable annuities. And so we bought into those right when I started working, you know, 40 years ago and or so, and and then converted those into the traditional IRA. Okay, so you did do and some that, converting. But that you converted it did. to a traditional IRA. Did you convert money from the IRA to the Roth at some point in time? No, no. That was just we just saved. All right. Well, wow. you've done a good job saving on the Roth. Yeah, for sure. And so uh, yeah. what's your income for 2019? Approximate family uh, income. It, it's, it runs about 100000 And what will a, your, a pension and annuities. And what will your income be three years from now? Uh, so it, slightly more. I mean, my, my income is based upon a, a pension, so it's a, a CalSTRS, and so that's a, you know, get a 2% raise on my yeah. And so are you, are you taking distributions from the IRA uh, now to live on? No. Nothing. We, we actually, yeah, we're, we're fine. We're real comfortable right now. Well, it, it, it might make sense for you to convert a little. You were right on the bubble. So for, I mean, if you look at, are you taking a, a standard deduction now? Or are you itemizing? Yes. No, standard yeah, deduction. Right. So, which is rough, what, 22000 a year or something like that. So it's at about a, at a, just about a hundred thousand um, uh, of income is when the tax rates um, bump from a twelve percent to twenty two percent. Right. So you you might have a little room in there, but probably not a lot. So what you'd want to do to figure run. out is to do a pro forma on your tax return. Yeah, today. Today. Before to de- December thirty first. To That's determine whether to you it. should convert ten or fifteen or twenty thousand. And then just, I mean, you could just. If you just go online and do, find a simple thing to do that, and you can enter your, enter your numbers or your, work with your accountant now, enter your numbers, and then just look at what tax bracket that falls in. It'll tell you, do you have room to convert some? Do you have room to convert 5000 or 10000 And it might, it's okay. not going to be a lot for you to convert. And the, I mean, fortunately for you, you're, you're not going to have a huge required minimum distribution problem next year. So you'll have to pay, take out about ten grand a year, first year right. from your IRA. But it's not... It's not going to be overly burdensome as far as from a tax standpoint. And remember, if you're right. making any charitable contributions whatsoever, you want it to come from your required minimum distribution. Now, I had, that was something I had a question about. Um, you had mentioned in an earlier program about a char- like I think it was um, a way to to create a trust so that you can put your required minimum distributions into a into essentially a charitable trust that could be then. You could then disperse it to different charities. Well, so you can you and you can contribute uh, like appreciated securities outside of retirement plans, appreciated securities into what's called a donor advised fund. But you kinda, can't do okay. it with these required minimum distributions. But you correct? can't do it with required minimum distributions. But let's oh, say you, you but let's okay. say you give two thousand dollars a year to a couple of charities. You could have that money if if beginning next year your required minimum distributions. If you had that money go directly to the charities, it avoids the Going through your tax, correct, and, and it gives you an opportunity to perhaps convert something to a Roth that year. Okay, hmm. those are the so planning meaning, things to be looking at. Okay, so in in a sense, it's like if you take your RMD and and move it to a charitable contribution, that doesn't that that's, RMD won't affect your taxes at all. That's exactly right. That's right. And then if you wanted to convert some of your your what remains of your traditional IRA, if you want to convert some of that over to the Roth. That's it's not going to have the same impact on your taxes. That's correct, above and beyond the required minimum distribution. Right. So many of our advisors are meeting with our clients right now discussing uh, their required minimum distributions next year. Okay. okay. Right. And, and yeah. in fact, <laughs> in, in, in fact um, meeting with a client that she's been a client, I don't know, 20 some odd years, uh, I meet with her this week, and we do it every year, and she brings in a list of her charities that she likes to give money to, and then we set it up to go out on January 2nd to each one of those charities, and we hunk that much. So if her required minimum distribution is 20 and she gives away 10 to charities, that's all off the table right there, first day of the year. Okay. Okay. And that's just good planning. I don't care where yeah. you grow up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Anthony. Okay. Oh, yeah, glad you called. Okay. You're thinking. Yeah, you're thinking along it. the right path. That's for sure. So we wish you well. Okay. Thanks. All right. Thank you. My my. Uh, it's talking about planning. My wife was giving me a hard time this week about how really <laughs> how unusual. <laughs> well, kidding. about how I actually kind of plan things. Like I'm 
I'm a by nature, I'm a planner. So I keep a list and I plan things a couple days in advance and I'm a planner. And she's like, how do you, why, why do you have to plan everything? Is she not a planner? She's, I don't know why she's giving me a hard time. Yeah, she's your wife much of a is a planner. total planner. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, she is a planner. And my wife is not spontaneous at all. Like you change plans and it's just like, it's, it, it, it just set, put, sets her back for a bit. It takes her a while to kind of. Oh, to regroup? Oh, yeah. Like, well, wait actually, a minute, this was the plan? We're going against the plan? What's this mean now? But you're pretty uh, much a planner as well. Yeah, I do like some spontaneity. Do you? I don't like any day looking the same. I like every day looking a little different. I don't get up at the exact same time. I like every day looking a little different, I got to tell you. It's, I don't know what it is. The older I get. Yeah. I know some people like every day that's they oh. go to bed at the exact same time, they get up at the same time. Not me at all. It's just yeah. all kind of all over the board. So. Yeah. And let's continue on here at Allworth talking with Sandy. Um, I have a question for you. I listened to your program, and I love your uh, commercial-free podcast, so thank you for that. I've been catching up on episodes. I'm uh, 68, and I hear a lot of people younger than I call in, and they're going to start taking their Social Security. I have decided to wait until I'm 70 and max that out. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that, because I haven't really heard you encourage too many people to wait and get the guaranteed 8%. Well, some, some people we do. So it, every situation is okay. different. Yes. And it all, mm-hmm. also depends on what people are trying to accomplish financially. It's interesting. So you know, we, we actually have a Social Security um, educational workshop we do and some online stuff. And we show the, an example of a couple. Um, and we they, we give it's with three different objectives. One is to leave as much money as possible to the kids. One is something, and based on these three different objectives, it all tells them different starting dates. So every situation is unique. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You're 68. You're retired. It sounds like. And how is your? No, it, no, I'm still working. Okay. I'm still working, and I don't plan on retiring at the moment. And how is your health? Do you have, do you believe that you have a I'm normal? You have a normal life I'm expectancy. Okay. I do. Um, I hope. And will you, so you have no plans on retiring? I look at Nancy Pelosi and Diane okay. Feinstein, and okay. I figure I've I got a long way to think about it, right? <laughs> you look at the presidential candidates, they're all in their 70s, right? I mean, the most of them. Yeah. Except yeah. for Mayor Pete, who's 37. <laughs> yeah, except for the young guy. <laughs> um, so are you, are you married? Yes, I am. You are. And oh. I get the um, Social Security spousal support. Oh, you do now? I do. I oh, then you shouldn't. Yeah, then you, you shouldn't. Then you, should you should not. not. Then no. you should not. You're, you're better off letting yours grow. You're receiving your spousal benefit right now. It's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. That's the best right. case scenario. So in your situation, just put it off until age 70. Okay. Yeah, you're I making the right choice. Ira and I keep contributing to that, and I figure why well, pay income tax on a Social Security check. I pay it on my husband, so why should I? I get it. Yeah, and you're using a SEP I, IRA I, or self-employed 401? And do you no, have employees? I uh, no. Okay. Do you want to save more? Do you want to save more? I do. Okay. Well then I, I have, yeah. talk to your financial advisor or your accountant about using the UNIK or the self-employed 401k. Yeah, solo K. You, and you, you've got, you have to set it up before December 31st for this, this tax year, but you don't have to fund it until just like a SEP until the time you do your, uh, you do your taxes. Okay. It might be worth looking at because you can you can kick in about fifty grand a year under a solo K, a little more than that, I think now. Yeah. Oh, all right. Okay. And it may or well, may not make sense. Um, yeah. Uh, depending on your situation. But, but what's, even what's even the down- Roth yeah, would make but, sense. Yeah, but what's the downside to setting one up and then deciding whether to use no, it by tax then, time? Well, at the time it takes a few hours of investment. Yeah. Yeah. So you you want to set up a, a a solo K or they call self employed four hundred one K. And then not fund it. When you do your taxes this next year, you decide whether you want to fund the SEP or the 401k. But the 401k has to be established in the year um, that you want to take the deduction for. It doesn't have to be funded, but it has to be established. Do I get the same tax benefits you, you, as contributing to myself? Oh, yeah. You, yeah, yeah, absolutely the same. That It's just the limits are higher. And it's yeah, very okay. light on regulatory filing, just like the SEP. It's a regular... Uh, it's, Relatively newer uh, product. Yeah, the SEP is that SEP is old school. It is what it is. Is it, there's no reason in the world to actually use a SEP anymore, because the 401k does exactly the same thing, but it allows. Well, if you have three employees, it might make. More if you're sense. thank you. Yeah. If you're self-employed with no employees, then it makes sense That's to right. use the solo k. Uh, totally. 
But you, right. again, just establish it before December 31st. All righty. And I do that with my accountant? No, no, you go to uh, investment advisor. advisor. Do you have a financial advisor or do you do I any? Do. Ask your, do. well, first of all, your financial advisor actually should have answered this question long, long ago. Okay. Yeah, and if you have other money saved and you don't even want to contribute that much, I would make the argument that shove it into the, the Roth solo K. Yeah. Right, right. We've explored that. So. All right. Appreciate the call. Thanks, Sandy. Okay. Yeah, we wish you Thank well. Thank you very much for taking it. You yeah. too. Bye-bye. All right. You know, it's interesting. Every situation is very unique, isn't it? Yeah. So and, the idea that... And if I were in her situation, I'd be delaying my Social Security to age 70 as well. Social Security is also driven largely on your life expectancy. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. If you're if you don't if you don't think you have a normal life expectancy, you probably want to start it early. Yeah, of course. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the guarantee. They talk about the guaranteed increase, but it but it's not really because you're foregoing those payments. If you wait from age sixty six to age seventy to collect Social Security. You've missed out on four years worth of income. Yeah, and if you and if you have a shortened life expectancy, then that's 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 particularly gone. if you die at the month before your seventieth birthday. Yes, but you know it isn't, which un- would be bad regardless. It isn't unusual. I had a, a number of years ago uh, a lady come into my office and she was waiting, and in the conversation, I found out she was eligible, but it made sense for her to wait till age seventy. But she was a widow, and she was when she visited with us, she was sixty eight. And had not been on the and had not been receiving and, a widow's benefit. Yes, which she could have at age sixty. Yes, and and she she asked me why didn't my financial advisor tell uh, me this? Like these are the conversations that you need to have with a financial advisor. So, so yeah, you know, so I was talking about and uh, so they, they, were, they were they were telling me that the large brokerage firms that the advisors are not allowed to provide tax advice. So they might be certified financial planners. They can't provide tax advice. I'm pretty sure they probably have to uh, or do a little bit. So I, I saw a, an old friend, and he was telling me he listened to the show, and he had pointed out, he said, oftentimes you and Scott answer a question people never even asked. Well, we just did. We told her. That's she correct. Called about Social Security, and we said right. you had a 401k. That's all okay. That's right. <laughs> right? Here's your problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, well, that, not a problem, but here's, a, here's, here's, another, how to, here's how to enhance your financial yeah, situation. Here's another thing that you should consider. Well, you don't, people don't know what they don't know. That's right. That's right. You and don't it, know what you don't know. It, is, it, it can be very, very complicated. And let's go to Virginia and talk with Mike. All right. Thanks for uh, taking my call. I love y'all's uh, podcast. I Thank you. I do it all the time. Oh, good. Thanks. Uh, my question uh, is whether I should be uh, contributing my savings to a, a traditional or a, or a Roth-type savings. A um, bit of background, I just retired from the Navy after 30 years. And, Thank you. Uh, during that time, I contributed uh, approximately uh, 360000 into a uh, the TSP, uh, which is what we have, and that was traditional. That's um, what you contributed, or that's what it's worth today? Uh, that's what it's worth today. Okay. Okay. I contributed less. Um, I also uh, contributed to uh, a Roth IRA for myself, and today it's worth approximately eighty-five thousand. And I contributed to my my wife's uh, Roth IRA, and it's worth approximately fifty-two thousand. So now that I've, I've transitioned uh, into civilian life and I've started my second career, um, I've got a four hundred one k with my current job, and uh, that's my question: is what you know? Should I can be contributed to a Roth or a traditional with that that job. I pay a lot more taxes now than I did in the military. What's your um, What's your family income for, now? 2019. Uh, what do you think you're? Yeah, about two hundred twenty um, thousand a year. How old right are now. you? Um, Fifty two. And um, do you think you'll stay in Virginia when you retire eventually? When you, or do you think uh, you'll go to a tax free prob- state? Probably got family there and everything, so okay. we'll probably uh, stick around. And how old are you? 52. 52. 52. And what other, uh, do, do you owe anyone money? No, I'm debt-free with the exception of mortgage. Uh, I've got about 50000 in equity in the mortgage. Just out of curiosity, how much money did you make in the Navy? Uh, 
about 100k. And of course, with the with the military, your uh, your your uh, compensation, a lot of it is uh, tax free. Yes. It's allowances. So, like I said, I probably did it backwards. I probably should have been contributing to a Roth. When it doesn't I was matter in the now. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, it doesn't matter. And it now. wasn't available that many years ago either. Yeah. So, and, uh, and you're a great saver, by right. the way. Great saver. Thanks. Um, I'd take the I'd take the deductible. I don't know because. So why? What, so what, what's walk your, me through. What are you earning? What do you think you'll be earning in your in five years from now? I mean, sometimes <sighs> your second career can be pretty dang lucrative, depending on what your skill sets are. Right. I'm probably making the most money I'll make, uh, you know, during my lifetime now. But, you know, I guess it would depend on what my uh, my savings pay out when I start drawing on it. Did you defer uh, your military pension or are you taking that now? Oh, it's you get paid immediately when you retire. So I'm, I'm receiving military pension now. How much is that? Uh, I get about 90K a year. Okay, so it's feasible when you, re- let's say in a decade from now or 15 years from now, you quit working altogether or mostly quit working. Your income is going to be primarily your pension and Social Security uh, and then whatever Correct. you take from your retirement plans, which you, you would be in a lower gross income would be lower in the future than it is today. Um, you, you know, you, what you can do is is do a combination of both. Do 75% in traditional and 25% in Roth. But the, the way to really do this is to actually calculate the numbers. Yeah, but we don't know what the future – we don't know what tax rates are going to be in the future. But assume years. they're going to be the same. Let's make, let's make some – obviously, if we're going to do some analysis, we're going to have to make some assumptions. We're and your, to- your pension's all taxable? You don't have any disability in there or something like that? Uh, that's including disability, but most of it's taxable. And, most of it's taxable. and the, the job you have now, will it pay you a defined benefit pension when you retire, like a monthly income similar to what you're receiving from the military? No. It will not. And no. so you said your family income is 220 Does that include the $90,000 from uh, the pension? Yes. It does. So the, my current job pays me about... I'd say 132 a year right now. And do you, does your wife work outside of the home? Uh, no, she's the uh, chief executive officer of domestic uh, operations. <laughs> <at the house. laughs> yeah. yeah, I would probably take, I, I would defer. Yeah, I'd take. I'd. And do you think you have a job now that you'll think you'll be doing for the next decade, or do you think there's a chance that you might have a period of time I, when I you're think, not? I think I'll do this for about 10 years and then try and retire. So here's the here's where the tax rates are now. This is after deductions. So um, you can essentially add another twenty thousand to this. So when you're at a, a tax bracket where you, at your income you're in a twenty four percent tax bracket, it bumps from twenty four percent to thirty two percent at three hundred and twenty thousand dollars of income. About another hundred thousand from where you are now. And if you were uh, below 168, you'd be in a 22% instead of a 24%. So there's a good chance your tax bracket won't change a lot between now and retirement. And Assuming one, the tax bracket stays the same. One could argue, and what, I mean, this this won't stay the same. The current tax bracket's set to expire, right? It's under 10 years. It will expire and pop back to, up to where they were. Um I'd take the deduction. Yeah. You, you don't, it's, uh, I would probably, well, I can tell you I'm taking a deduction. I take the deduction. <laughs> Part of the reason is you may, Virginia is a relatively high tax state. Yes. Right. And you could leave. And if you leave to a no tax state, then it's an easy decision. Yes. And you could be uh, deciding that, you know, part of your qualified charitable uh, distributions at, uh, for your RMDs at some point in time as well. That's correct. So I would take it. I would take it. Okay. But if you split the difference, or I couldn't argue that yeah, either. Or 75% deduction and 25% wrong. So basically, Richard, this phone call has been a waste of your time. <laughs> well, it's, it's, no, I mean, you're, looking, you're trying to look at probabilities, right? That's right. I mean, what we focus on, very, that's what we focus on as financial advisors, frankly. Looking at people's retirement, what's the greatest probability of retirement success? What's the, you know, we look at, what's the, highest probability of the maximum tax-free income. And when it comes to future tax rates, I mean, it's anyone's guess what's going to happen. They'll, right. they'll probably go up some, but 
Who knows how much they're going to But if you're, if you're in a high-tax state, it makes the deduction so much more That's attractive. Right. Yeah. So if you were in... If you, so we live in the state of California, but if I was to retire to the state of Nevada, which currently has a zero tax free, which state, you probably will, which <laughs> you, it, you talk it, about, it may happen. You can get right? your wife wife on board. It, it uh, and I was making Roth contributions. I was paying taxes I, that were voluntary. If I retired to a, a zero or low tax state, and that's why I take the deduction. If you were calling us from Florida, I think we would probably feel a little bit differently. Which we would feel different, or Texas, or any any tax free state, or Washington State, or so I'd take it now. Okay. All righty. All right, and you can you know the nice thing is right. you can change your mind in the future and change the contributions another time in the future. So, thanks for your service. Hope you got a great uh, great career um, for the next um, number of years going forward. So, thirty years is a long time in the military. That's, I know it's good for him. We need to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue with calls. You're listening to Allworth's Money Matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to All Worth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hanson. I'm Pat McClain. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, Thanks for listening. Do we need to reintroduce ourselves when we come back after the... I mean, we've been well, we don't know people come in and out. A few minutes. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, well, it's the holidays are upon us. I hope you got all your shopping done. I know I did. Well, it's... You don't have much time left if you haven't it's finished. Amazon, they deliver next day. Apparently, they drive around with most used items in the back of a truck and just throw them on people's porches. How they could get stuff to you that fast is amazing to me. I had a Amazon guy. You know, they use a lot of contract labor now to deliver. Yes. Um, and you don't even know who's walking up to your porch. I had a guy in my backyard recently. Really? Yes. And I have an iron gate. You got to go... Th- how did he in get in my backyard? Not my front. Not, not like I've got some <laughs> gated. No, but I've got a. Um, he opened the gate and walked into my backyard. And what was he looking for? Was he dropping off Man, stuff? Pretend like he didn't he speak. He said he was Amazon. He had a box. It was. Uh, he was delivering. How do you know? Because he left the box. And was it something he ordered? Or yes. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Because that's. <laughs> That yeah. would be the, quite the scam, though, wouldn't it? Just walking around a well, neighborhood with an Amazon. I, I box. called Amazon. I was pissed. When, they can't tell Excuse you. Me. What's Amazon going to say? They don't. Actually, they? I was surprised. I spoke to someone within about two minutes, and she was uh, glad I called, and she was just as startled by it. I said, "I live in California, where everyone has fences. I'm not in one of those areas that the homes all kind of blend together." No, I said, we are fences. The guy came into my backyard. And she said, thank you very much, Mr. Hanson. Let me take some notes here and send it to a place no one will ever see these your concerns. I doubt that. You think that it was elevated well, somewhere? Look, the, the organization thinks of everything. Yeah, okay. That is not a good ex- – I have that another time like that with Amazon. I probably would say I can't you trust can't. Amazon. So they you know, they actually they they are pretty data driven. Yeah, and they're they're yeah, really well run organizations. I buy a lot from Amazon because there's yeah, it's easy. Yeah, they think it's a fantastic it's experience. It's easy, and a lot of my Christmas shopping. Well, let's and did um, not go in any sort of mall at all this year. Sorry to you, mall investors and mall owners. Yeah. Oh, speaking of uh, investors in those types of properties. Uh, I want to talk about uh, this limited liability company that people have been putting money into. Again. You know, again. You know, so Let's Pat and I, before, before the show, Pat and I said uh, there's an article in Investment News on this private placement company. Turned out to be some sort of Ponzi scheme. And uh, I said to Pat, I said, I don't know. Do we really want to bring this up? Because I said, I feel like we talk a lot about on the show of not investing in things that aren't publicly traded. And Pat said, yeah, but $1.8 billion went into this. So people are obviously putting money on it. And I thought, you know, he's got a point. So this is GPB. I was going to talk about it later, but we're, we're on the subject. GPB announces another delay in the release of the audited financials. So this Uh-oh. goes back to... It's a private placement. Things that are not traded. Not traded. What does not traded mean? It means it's not traded on an exchange. You don't know the value of it because no one trades in it. So you see these non-traded REITs 
or private placements or um, limited. What do, what do they call them now, Scott? They're, um, I don't know. There's another name for them. Uh, private, anyway, whatever. Private placements. So they're that, they they're might, not traded. Some broker might, they, they pay high commissions to the broker. They're not traded. They tend to offer attractive yields. Yes. 6%, 7%. So this one is called GPB Capital Holdings. And GPB Capital Holdings started this fund. They attracted $1.8 billion in for what companies were auto dealerships and trash hauling. So Good story behind it. Great story behind it. Everyone needs cars and everyone's got trash. The <laughs> auditing go wrong? company yes. that actually the outside auditor suspended the work and said, hey, we're done. We're not working with you guys anymore. Terrible sign, by the way. Terrible sign when your auditor quits in the middle of a job. And these company has a history of missing deadlines for their financial statements. So the broker dealers that sold these are being sued. The uh, the clients that own these don't know where they're at. There's no trading and they're not allowed to liquidate it as per the SEC. It's awful. All right, let's go out uh, of calls here. Let's talk with Michael in Sacramento. Well, hello, gentlemen. Hi, Michael. Long time listener, first time caller. Oh, good. Thank you. Uh, my question is, I don't know if you have any of the information that I left, but we I'm don't. 68 years old. And by the way, we prefer not to know much, not because not we're lazy. <laughs> it's just um, uh, we think there's it makes the show more entertaining when it's a little more spontaneous on our end. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. A little That's more entertaining. Just how about a little entertaining, well, not more. It's a little entertaining <laughs> if it's more spontaneous. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to us doing a bunch of research ahead of time. Yeah, so the call screener just makes wants to make sure that your question is relevant to the topics. Yes. But we don't really look at it. So fire away with the questions. Okay. Uh, 68 okay. years of age. 68 years of age. And I have a traditional IRA and a Roth. And I'm wondering if it's too late for me to even think about converting. Uh you know, if I've if I've missed the window, kind not of. at all, not at all. If it makes sense, what? How much money do it, you have in the uh, traditional IRA? Traditional about uh, one point two six four. Okay. Million. Mm -hmm. And in my Roth, I have two hundred and sixteen, roughly. And what's the family income? Uh, about fifty three. Fifty-three thousand a year. And are you working or retired now? I'm retired. And have you been taking any money from your traditional IRA in the last year or two? No, I took it the first year that I retired. You've got a this is a fin you've got a perfect window of opportunity between now and the time you do your required minimum distributions. What you said you took it your first year of retirement. How many years ago was that? That was uh, in. In 14. And you live in California. Are you going to remain in California the rest of your life, most likely? Most likely, yes. And what have you been living off of since uh, 2014? A pension and Social Security. And I did rent my house out for, for the three years and then sold the house last year. So now I'm living with my partner, my girlfriend. Got it. Got it. Well, well you've got a great opportunity for 2019. And the way, and in 2020, the, but the, the, to figure out exactly how much you should convert, you really need to run the numbers, both federal and state, to see um, how it's going to impact you. Because the way the tax rates work, um, they're, they're progressive, but it's almost like a cliff. So there's a little bit of income we could all have and pay no taxes. And then the tax rates go from 12% to 22%. So right now you are in a... 12% federal taxes, and you can have up to about $100,000 a year in gross income. Oh, you're, you're single, is that correct? Or married? Correct. Okay, let me a take single. that back. Let me take, you can have about 60000 in um, gross income before uh, you, you bump to, from a 12% to 22%. And some of your, not all your Social Security is considered taxable. So there's room there. You you missed a couple of years. That's behind us now. You missed a couple of years. Yeah. Then what you want to do is to calculate what your income would be 
after required minimum kick, kicks in at age 70 and a half to see if that drives you into a higher marginal tax rate then than if you did the conversion. Yeah, I think it will because it's going to almost double my income based on the uh, tax schedule that I have. Yes. It's going to almost double. That's right. uh, In in the year that I turned 70 and a half. So the answer to your question is yes, you you absolutely should convert. But you need to run the numbers with either your tax preparer or use TurboTax or one of those. You need to run the numbers. Or your financial advisor, do a pro forma, right? Yep. Huh. Crunch the numbers. Um, it's worth it. How? Okay. I don't have a real tax preparer. I just have. I just go to H and R Block. I mean, I have a real one, but it's it's not a. It's not like your office that has. You know, estate planning or or uh, professionals that do this kind of thing. I just I just use H and R Block. Well, I mean, if H and R Block can help you, great. If not, then use a. A firm or professional, that, as you as you stated. Yes, the H and R Block. Some of them are good. I mean, you just don't know what you're going to get there. Some of yeah. them have been doing taxes for years, and some are they take a so so what, couple day crash course on taxes, and so what they should be able to run a performance. You know. What you're essentially doing is you're doing two tax returns this year and comparing them for 2019 to figure up when it kicks you into the higher marginal tax rate, the difference between those two is what you're going to convert from a, an IRA to a Roth. Okay. So I, even, even the, even a, someone at I, how do you say this without being insulting to a lot of people? It is not that difficult to actually do a pro forma by con- figuring out what the conversion is. So if you call the person that p- did your taxes last year and you explain to them quickly, how much money do you think I should convert from my IRA to the Roth IRA? And if they say they don't know and don't know how to get find there, somebody else. then go find someone else. If they say, oh, that's easy, Michael, we just run a pro forma. Perfect. Then you say they're the right person. That's what you're going to have to do. That's what you have to do is go back to the person that you, did I mean, you got I mean, you got to run the numbers. Otherwise, you're just... It's, yeah. it's worth the... the the small investment's going to take to pay to somebody to do this. It's yeah, it'll save it. you thousands. Yes, it really will. Thousands. So, appreciate the call, okay, Michael. Well, that's that's what I thought, but I I thought maybe I was too late. No, no, but never you do late. have to. But you do you have, have to do it this only a year. Years. Yeah, but you. Yeah, for, so for, got to do it in the next six weeks, right? Yes, that's right. Deadline. Well, in the next few, few weeks, yeah. Yeah, in the December thirty first. December thirty first. Yes. I have one other question. Sure. Can I still? Uh, make an IRA contribution for my niece and nephew. If they have, if they have uh, uh, some sort of income. yeah wage income, wage or self employment income. Yes. And then you they could do, do have that. I, yes, you can. I just wondered if that was still available. Yes, and I probably would want to do a Roth. Yeah, that's what I'd want to do. Assuming yeah. that they have low incomes. Regardless. What do you mean? Well, if it's a Roth, it doesn't matter, does it? No. Why would you want to do a traditional IRA if you're giving money to somebody? No, I want to do a Roth. No, understand. I would want to do. But a if Roth. their income is high, I don't care what they're in. They're making a million bucks a year. Why well, would I give them money to put it? Well, if they're making a million bucks a year, I'm not giving them any money for the Roth house, any for their IRA. <laughs> period. But no, if they're, they're going to be giving us money. <laughs> Why would okay, you give so them can... the tax benefit and to give them a tax burden in the future? Well, if their income's so high, Scott, theoretically, they may not be able to make a Roth contribution. Okay. We don't know anything right. about if their, their income's that high, then don't, they probably don't need the money. We're making the assumption <laughs> that they have low-paying jobs. One is low, and the other one is is pretty good. Okay, not, well, to Pat's point, you may or may not, they may not qualify for Roth. You've got to figure yes. that out. Oh, you've right. got to ask them. Okay. Yes. You've got to ask, and by the way, they should answer freely what their income is when you're offering <laughs> to, to give them money. Good point. Alrighty. Okay. All right. Good luck, Michael. Thanks. Appreciate the call. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny when you say nieces and nephews, it goes to my head and it's like, okay, my nieces and nephews are 18, but his nieces and nephews might be 30 or 35, right? Or Or older. Or older. I have no idea. Nieces and nephews can be any age. (laughs) They can be older than you. They can be retired. That's correct. (laughs) They can be. (laughs) So maybe, yeah. That's, That's why you asked the questions, right? And we're going to go to Vermont, speak with Richard. Richard, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you, Richard. 
What can we do for you? Uh, I have a, a Social Security question. Uh, my wife and I, let's just say we're both 62 years old. We have done a very good job saving. And our financial advisor has told us that we've got a 99.9% chance of living 40, 50 years uh, successfully with our portfolio. And we have just defaulted our thinking into waiting on Social Security until we're 70 years old. Being that we're 62, we have just retired. We're not going to, we're going to have small income with some remote side business, but we're both essentially retired. And we're wondering, I'm looking at my statement right now, my most recent Social Security statement, and it says that if I wait till I'm 70, it'll, I'll have about $2,900 in Social Security monthly income. But it's also basing it on my estimated taxable earnings per year after 2019, and they fill that in with last year's gross income yes. or net income. So if we're not, let's just say for argument's sake, we're not making any money between ages 62 and 70, how does this yeah, it, impact it, that, that number? It may not have much impact at all because there's a maximum amount that is calculated for your Social Security benefits. And what was that income for that they filled in for uh, that year, 2019 or 2001? Uh, it was for my what was for my full-time income. It was about 128000 Okay, which is the maximum amount for Social uh, Security little bit, tax. Yeah, a little so, bit below. I mean, and if you've always kind of been in that adjusted for inflation in that kind of range the last 10, 15 years? Uh, more or less. Yeah, then it's not going to it's not it's going to be negligible. Yeah, it won't have much of a, a difference. No. So but the question is whether you take it now or you wait kind of depends on uh, what other assets you're living on and what you think is your life expectancy and what you think is going to happen with uh, taxation. Of Social I mean, Security. have you considered for maybe you taking it now and your spouse taking a spousal benefit and deferring until age 70 or vice versa? Uh, well, not taking it now, maybe waiting till full retirement age. We're pretty confident we started taking income from our portfolios now to augment the little bit of income we are earning. Here's what I, here's uh, what I get concerned about. So in, in 2030 or 2032, which is not 11, 13 years from now, Right. Not that right. long from now. You'll be 73, 74, somewhere in there. The Social Security Administration trust fund is going to be broke. The way it's structured now, there's going to be an automatic, I believe it's a 22 percent reduction in benefits across the board. Right? So at some point in time, Congress will be forced to deal with this. And now, when they say 22 percent across the board. It probably won't be 22% across the board. Or it might be, it probably would be for a few months because Congress is not going to act until, you know, <laughs> something's on fire, right? They're not. So, and then there's probably going to be means testing, which says, hey, what, what's Richard's income? What's Richard and his spouse's income? Or what's Richard's net worth? Because mm -hmm. one way to, to look at this, you know, people talk about being a guaranteed payment. <laughs> it's not as guaranteed as a bond interest. But it's not as guaranteed as buying a ten-year treasury bond. But, but and Scott, the history tells us that years ago, you go back thirty years, Social Security wasn't taxed at any income level. Then they started taxing incomes for combined uh, incomes of over thirty-two thousand. They started taxing fifty percent of the Social Security benefit, including tax-free bonds, which they call provisional income. And then a few mm -hmm. years later, they started taxing 85% of incomes for over 44000 Which is a double taxation on it. So if the government gives you something and says, oh, it's guaranteed, but then turns around and taxes you on something, you, but not everyone else, based on your income, was that a guaranteed payment? Hmm. So I think in looking at all these, I mean, I, I wrote an article a few years back on the same way you would do a securities analysis on any sort of any sort of security, whether it's a stock or a bond. You'd look at you look at what's the probability of getting that income stream, and the the further out you go, the less likely it is. And there's always some there's always some risk in any type of security, just in the same way there's some sort of risk in this. And I think the risk is not for the people who absolutely need the income; it's those that 
quote unquote, don't need the income. And there's been people in Congress on both sides of the aisle talking about those over 100,000 don't need it. So what will, what will your income be at full retirement age, including Social Security? Uh, probably, well, are you talking to me or? The family. Family. Household? Family income. Family. Well, we're both going to be right around the same and receiving our 39000 a year with Social Security based on this record. Okay. So that's what? 78 yep and then plus whatever we bring in and what's your what's your ball what's the ballpark net worth today three million and what how much is in your iras or uh how much is in your iras that you're taking distributions from how much do you have in uh retirement plans uh in retirement plans we have not begun taking distributions yet but there's about 2.4 oh i'd okay, start it yeah. i'd start it because you're going to have required minimum distributions that are going to have forced you into pretty high income at age 70 if yeah. I were in your situation, Richard, I would from I would either my personally take the benefit and have my spouse take a spousal benefit, which means my sp- the spouse could continue to defer until age seventy, or I'd do vice versa, have my spouse take it and I would be on a spousal benefit and defer mine until age seventy. I, I, and I think if you and, run the numbers, you'll find that's going to yield you the net uh, greatest amount of benefit because you're getting one hundred and fifty percent of a lower amount today. Got it. Are you, so you're saying. Start now, not yes. even start at full retirement. What's the difference? Every, I mean, every day, every month you wait, it goes up. But every month you wait, you're not receiving it. And you can essentially receive, it's not quite 150% because it's, did, because we were taking it early and then the spouse was taking it early as well. But essentially, it's about 135% of, your, um, of, of that amount you received today. Your spouse continues to wait until age 70. That's, that's Richard, Richard, so I, I would put it a different way. Let's say that you've got, you said, what, you have $2.4 million in your retirement plans? Right. Okay, so $2.4 million in your retirement plans. And let's say we're going to start a 4% distribution, right? So you're uh, Some of that is Roth. Some of that is Roth. It, it, so maybe just say $2 million. Okay, okay. So, so $2 million, you start a 4% distribution, so it's eighty grand, And then you add back in your Social Security. If today, if today Social Security was bankrupt and had no money, do you believe the Social Security Administration would somehow look at your income and decide you didn't need all that Social Security benefit so that they could keep it um, sustainable and provide income to people that have lesser means? Hmm. That's the question. That's the question. Aye, aye, aye. Right? right? <laughs> That's and the question. I'm not, I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> okay. But you understand. I mean, you know, look, I mean, look yeah. at the political environment when there's a lot of talk about greed and people aren't paying their fair share. I don't know what greed right. really means, right? Because I don't know what fair share means either. But all I do know is I've never had any employee say, you know, why don't you go ahead and reduce my pay? Yeah. So, <laughs> but but what I do know is historically, they have started taxing Social Security for higher incomes. And by the way, they didn't index that to inflation at all. Nope. It no adjustment to it. Has it twenty years? Twenty years. Right. So it gets it, it more and more people pay it every year on an inflation adjusted basis. And the next step is, hey, Richard's going to get by just fine without all that Social Security benefit he thought he was going to get. But hmm. Margaret down the street, who has no right. money saved, she really needs it. She needs all of it in order to stay alive. Who are they going to come? They're going to cut yours or hers? Well, they would cut mine, but that wouldn't be very fair. I earned it. Well, okay, but we but, but, <laughs> we, but, but, but we, we live in we live in a progressive. Our whole tax table is progressive. It's not regressive. It's progressive. And even the Social Security, you look at what you're receiving. You take someone who made one fifth of your income. They paid in one fifth of the Social Security taxes. They'll receive half of what yeah. you will. So the you're whole already subsidized. The, and then the fact now they're taxed. They tax. 85 percent they're doing a double taxation on a portion of your benefits. so so when we say and i say the tax table with the exception of capital gains it's progressive so i mean th- those is just something to, that i think to scott that we could say that but you know for a second if he was sitting in your office you'd well, tell him right now i, would, we told I just you. said what i would do take take i would take, take yours <laughs> and one half to your spouse and start it today yeah. so one of you takes it today 
and then the spouse can take a spousal benefit, which is about half that amount. So you're you're getting free money from that spousal benefit, and then the other one wait till age seventy. Worst case scenario, Congress never changes it. You lived one hundred and twenty. You left a little bit on the table. Yeah. You're trying yeah. to mitigate risk is all you're trying to do. Yeah. If you could take it in a lump yeah. sum today, you'd take it in a lump sum. Wouldn't that be something that Social Security would pay yeah, out right. in a lump sum? <laughs> hey, I appreciate, good luck to you, Richard. I appreciate the call. Glad you uh, called us and hope that was some helpful information. And um, if you run, I think if you run the numbers, I mean, you can even forget the whole argument that it might be a reduction in the future. If you just run the numbers on the spousal benefit today, by a spouse being able to, you I mean, can, you should be able to file and suspend stuff. You can do the little tricks, but you can't. Those those days yeah. are gone. But you still can take a one person can file, and the other can take a spousal benefit. And when they're on a spousal benefit, their benefit continues to accrue till age seventy. So. There'll but, be changes. There will be changes. Well, we know there'll be changes. Yes. It's already. It's. <laughs> It's it's it's, in, it's, it's, it's already there's, it's heading towards a cliff. We know the cliff's coming. The way it's structured today, there's going to be an automatic across the board twenty some odd percent reduction, which which highly unlikely is going to be across the board. So I could only imagine what the news is like when there's little Susie widow who's got her Social Security benefits eight hundred dollars a month, and suddenly she's receiving five fifty, and she can no longer afford whatever because of that. That's, I think it's probably then is when Congress is going to act. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they will act because they're going to be forced to act at some point in time. And the question you got to ask yourself, where might you be when they act? And I, I, I'm baffled, Pat, why there's not more um, written about the risk and future benefits. Almost everywhere you read in the financial publication, they just run the numbers like nothing in the future is ever going to change. Which what we know is I talked about earlier. Historically, it has changed. I know. I don't understand it. It, it, it didn't look like it changed because of the way they did it, though. Well, they give it to you in one hand and take it away in the other. Yeah, so it didn't really look like much of a change. But it was a change. The majority of Social Security benefits beneficiaries today pay no income taxes on their, on their income. But the majority of people listening to this program probably and do. anyone who are savers, they either do today or they will. Well, unfortunately, that is all the time we have today with All Worth's Money Matters. Have a fantastic Christmas, Hanukkah, or whatever it is you celebrate, and um, we will see you next week. This has been Scott Hansen and Pat McLean, All Worth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by All Worth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.